Happy Canada Day, theatre lovers. This week's guest is Jonathan Lawrence. Jonathan is self-reflective, empathetic, and easy to relate to. We talk about how his experience playing a man playing a woman on stage gave him a tiny glimpse into how culture shapes women's perspectives of their own bodies, how Dungeons and Dragons has taught him to roll with the punches of life, and we even chat a little bit about Brené Brown. On with the show. So welcome, Jennifer Lawrence. Just kidding! Just kidding. Welcome, Jonathan Lawrence, to Sarnia Famous. Um, thank you very much for being here with me today. Especially, I apologize for the groggy voice, as I mentioned before. Still a little bit fighting this whatever nasal thing. So, I usually like to start out by saying how I know the person that I'm interviewing. With you, I have extremely fond memories of Wizard of Oz. You were one of my Winkies, which actually, out of context, is a really weird thing to say to another human being. You were That's one true. of my That's Winkies. Yep, yep. That's okay. <laughs> but it is, it was a thing. In particular, though, we I had this one scene where I had to walk up my staircase, and I held your hand. I don't know. Do you remember this? Like this I do. Was a pinnacle I do. I remember part. feeling very precarious at moments. It um, was terrible. I had those heels on, which I would never have traded those heels because they made me feel witchy. But going up that, it was it was very precarious. So I felt as though my life was in your hands every time. It was absolutely no pressure. I felt very confident the entire time. That's good. Um, was, there, was there one time... That, like, your heel actually fell down the back of the stair? I feel like that happened. Yes. That, oh, okay. yeah. And, uh, I can't, like, I think part of my brain has blocked that out because there was probably yep. a great deal of terror. That yeah. whole thing was terrifying. Every night when I got dropped, I never got that whole line out. And I'm sure there were people in the audience, like, where's the rest of this line? Because it felt like it was going so fast. And, like, that my life was flashing before my eyes, but maybe to watch it, it was like, I was like going super duper slow. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about I'm sure that. It was uh, paced appropriately, very menacingly, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Um, I am a, of course, world famous actor, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, <laughs> so I'm very happy to, you know, represent local, all that good stuff. Thank you for having a good <laughs> sense of humor about that. Um, so, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that. Throw you off the I don't know That's if fun. I'll keep that in there no or not, but everybody, <laughs> I guess I should say I had expressed concern about mixing up your name with Jennifer Lawrence. It's just because phonetically they're similar. You don't really give off that vibe. Although, in Something Rotten, which I got to see, and I'm very glad that I did, mm -hmm. there was a little something unique about the role that you played in oh, that yeah. show. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So I played the character Robin, and I got to unleash my inner queen um, very literally close to the end of the show. Um, so back in, you know, ye olde times, I'm not a historian, so I'm going to preface by just saying, like, I don't actually know anything, but, I mean, women weren't allowed on stage, so men had to play women. And I was one of the men who played a woman uh, very enthusiastically, Robin just loves wearing dresses. And you know what? So did I. It was great. Yeah, so I, I come out, uh, my very first line is, did I miss my cue? And I'm just, it's very obvious, like, Robin is not supposed to be there. He's just excited to, like, show off his dress. 
and like prance around the stage and and just uh, be be very flamboyant and fantastic. And then, of course, in the second act, when all the shenaniganery is going on, I get to come out in a full Queen Elizabeth dress, which <laughs> I, let me tell you, downstairs I had like the the best team you could possibly imagine. Like I just transformed every night. It was a beautiful flurry of of gloriousness that uh, I was able to get a ton of makeup on, get into this big dress, and every night I would be more than on time to do my little twirl oh, <laughs> onto stage. And yeah, that was lots of fun. It always got a really great reaction. And it was actually a really, we went through a few iterations of trying to find dresses that fit for me. And I think we actually borrowed one from Stratford and it didn't fit. And I remember feeling this really weird sense of vulnerability of like, oh, this doesn't feel good. And it was, it was, it was, it was funny. But it was also like a really weird glimpse maybe into like the other side. And I was like, oh, okay. Like this is something that I've never really like guy clothes. You can just wear super baggy, whatever. And so that was like actually a really weird and interesting moment for me. And I had to kind of reflect on that. So it's fascinating. That was very validating for me to hear that a fella had that experience. Cause it is kind of awful buying and trying to wear women's clothing. Cause you'd think, from one store to the next that sizes are going to be the same and they never are like mm-hmm. every single store for ladies is different so thank you for saying that you're That's very welcome very validating and also me. like the i guess the <laughs> they don't i imagine they don't make it easy for you guys <laughs> like in general like there's a lot of pressure and shame that comes with that and like it's a shame that that's the case mm. i don't know there's my two cent social commentary (laughs) i would make two suggestions if you haven't i just i held up three fingers i don't know if you saw that i was like three two suggestions anywho you can make three um maybe i will make three uh nylons and spanks did you encounter Uh, either of those things in your adventures there we go good to know that is some wise wisdom (laughs) so i'm guessing maybe no you didn't have to wear either of those i didn't um i what we did was we put a like a little tank top underneath so for act when we go to act two we'd put on this like red tank top underneath all of my other costumes so that way when i'm stripping all the layers off and everything i have the the reddish tank top to help fill in the gaps because that way sides of my belly aren't showing and whatever and all that good stuff that was that was how we did that but we very, very, also very intentionally left my chest exposed so we can, you know, get some of the get some of the hairy chest going. It's all all part of the the image that we wanted to craft. So that would add to it, and you know, that's a detail that maybe people wouldn't have thought of. And let that is a mug. That did mm-hmm. someone just bring that to you as well? Yes. Yep. That very was my partner. Um, just brought me. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Um, I feel very well taken care of. That was fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, Tell I feel this is, now. I feel like I mean, I'm on Sarnia Famous. I might as well be treated as such, right? <laughs> Someone must bring me coffee in a <laughs> giant Central Perk size mug. Love <laughs> yeah. it. So Spanx, just to back it up a little bit, to paint a little bit of a picture. Spanx like make you smooth at the. It's like a modern corset. Okay. Like a Actually, an elastic modern corset that just 
it's horrifying. Are you mm. looking it up on the internet right now? Well, it, it just got me thinking about this. Is not theater related, but we're okay. there anyways. Let's do it. Um, it got it got me thinking of a time that a buddy and I wore morph suits, and I guess it's it's probably similar material. Um, Could be. Yeah. So we snuck around London College as ninjas, and, <clears throat> and people got. Mm, <laughs> scared <laughs> i thought that we were just being silly but apparently some people were uncomfortable and and so we got in trouble good times morph suits <clears throat> are the ones that like they go everywhere like even over your face and everything yes. right yep that's okay. right so um we were walking around with our backpacks and no one could see our faces and we were like pretending to sneak around being very very obvious like oh we're sneaky and yeah <laughs> like running downstairs and everything yeah we were very not stealthy ninjas but it was part of i think part of the charm of the whole thing i think that sounds like a, a great deal of fun so if in the morph suit you felt as though your intestines were being moved due to the the uh ferocity of the elastic then yeah i think that's a spanksy experience okay i guess i that was not my experience. Um, it was it was a little bit tight around my fat noggin, but um, it was overall okay. The closest thing I think I had was uh, in something rotten, kind of circling back to that, where they gave me, there's a proper term for it, but it's essentially my booty. That we It makes my hips and my booty look big. And I had to tie it around and kind of suck in a little bit and like tie it as tight as I possibly could. Um, and that was the closest I got to any kind of internal organ reorganization um, <laughs> i think that's pretty accurate i mean i'm not aware of Spanx. just simply i'd rather be lumpy uh and be able sure. to breathe so yeah um but i've been there once or twice and and yeah that sounds that sounds pretty pretty close anyway this we took a little deviation so we can okay. uh, i'll stop you know on my soapbox about Spanx and nylons and we'll we'll move on a little bit or maybe not has there been any other times in your theater experience where you've had unique costume opportunities yeah actually my very first well okay <clears throat> let's think let's go way back to high school mm -hmm. um i shockingly people sometimes are very surprised when i say this i was extremely shy in high school Get i said out. Like, maybe i know it's crazy maybe like a thousand words throughout my high school career but i i, I went back for a fifth year not not because i wasn't ready academically but because i maybe had a little bit more growing up to do and uh, i was very much encouraged to go out for the musical that at the time that was the drowsy chaperone so i did i got the role of robert robert the bridegroom uh all that good stuff and in that there is one scene where i'm roller skating on stage blindfolded and now it's a stage blindfold so i could in fact see oh, but okay. you know, it's 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 obscuring your eyes a little bit and i had to learn to roller skate in order to do it so that was a really cool experience that was um and then the next time i was in theater wasn't until Beauty and the Beast, and I think that was 2016. And that experience was with the cheese grater, <laughs> where basically I was this I wore this gigantic, I think it was cardboard or something close to it, this painted cardboard box that had, I believe, straps to like mount on my shoulders, and they put a big block of cheese on my head. It's like a cheese hat. Oh my gosh! Um, Tell me you have pictures of that, so I can add it. to Oh, the I'm Instagram. sure there's uh, there's absolutely pictures all okay, around. That's um, 
I, I think Hillary, who played Belle in particular, took one or we like kind of hung out because like the cheese grater was like a, it became a whole thing. I also heard more cheese and great puns <laughs> than you could ever possibly imagine in your lifetime. That was a good time. But I specifically remember, <laughs> I specifically remember this one moment and it was one of the first times that we actually put the whole thing together because we had done you know all the choreo and everything before and this happened during the song human again so during rehearsal i'm like realizing that i have to make a lot of my steps a lot smaller i can't move my arms the same way and i have to be careful with how i move my shoulders because it'll change like the box basically but in human again there's this cute little interlude where we the, we're singing the song but then we all turn around and watch Belle and the beast have this cute moment in the library so this was the first time that i had, that we had done this in like all our costumes and i was in the back of the line so when we turned around i was in front of everyone and because this box was so big, oh, no. we're all supposed to we're all supposed to kneel down so that you know, like Belle and the Beast can be seen really easily. But I can't really kneel down, so I just kind of slump down, <laughs> and all everyone can see behind me is like just the barely top of my head, and this big block of cheese on top of that. And I can just hear all the giggling getting louder and louder behind me. And it just, and I'm just, every inch of me is just trying to keep it together in that moment and maintain my composure. But I just could not, and I broke. And all everyone saw was like this, and this like jiggling cheese block on top of this giant cheese grater box. And by the end of, by the end of the interlude between Belle and the Beast, the entire cast was just in stitches. Um, we start turning around and we're supposed to sing human again, only human again, and no one is singing. And poor Frank, bless his soul, is so confused. He's like, where were you guys? We're supposed to have an entrance here. And that is still one of my absolute fondest memories of, of my theater starting experiences is in the first show that we had. And that like silly stuff like that. I love the, the silly moments. Yeah, that's one of my treasures. That is so funny. I don't know. I think I just discovered something about myself in that moment that I apparently think that cheese graters are really funny because I have like tears <laughs> running down my cheeks. I was laughing so hard. So what did you guys do to kind of combat that for future? We just got used to it. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, all we could do was uh, that, that we couldn't really adjust the costume. It was, it was this one big piece. So luckily when that all happened, that was, I think, our tech rehearsal. Mm. Um, so we still had the dress rehearsal. And yeah, um, I, I think we kind of got all the, the sillies out in, the, in that first moment. And we were able to be pretty, pretty chill for the rest of the run, fortunately. I'm kind of disappointed to hear that it was tech week. Like, I, I understand that that's a good thing. But I also feel like as an audience member, that would have been pretty hilarious to see. Yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. And, and we've had, there have been a, a couple moments. There was one moment like that in Producers. It wasn't a, a costume thing, but there was one moment where I'm not sure exactly what had happened, but basically the way that the set works is we put up certain set pieces on magnets and something hadn't quite connected or whatever the, the case happened. And so the scene is this very enthusiastic German patriot is running around the room with a gun screaming and it was Sean Chapman and Mark Bandura who were um, I can't remember the character names right now but basically one of those back set pieces started to fall down a little bit 
And so Dave Evans was like not where he was supposed to be because he was holding up that piece of the set. Oh my god! And then he's like, okay, well, in his head, he's like, okay, I've got to go and yeah. like join me under the table. So he runs across, and Mark and Sean basically trade places and hold up that piece. Oh my gosh. And they're supposed to say, they're supposed to have this thing where it's like, quick, honey, back into the closet. And they go and, and like go hide uh, behind the set. And so they they say the line, but they're, they're stuck kind of like holding it up. And in this absolute moment of brilliance, they like look at each other and both just cover their eyes. Like, you can't see me. I can't see you. <laughs> and the audience absolutely ate it up. We were just, we, the show came to a standstill for like three minutes as we're all just like, is this actually happening? Um, and, and it's funny that like, it's moments like that where the show is still running and it's it's still a fine show, but like it just goes off the rails a little bit. And yeah, like those are the moments that really stick with us and with the audience. It becomes a shared experience with the audience, right? Because you're not supposed to break that fourth wall except for in certain plays. But for the most part, you're mm -hmm. supposed to maintain that fourth wall. So in those instances, it, it just naturally dissolves and, and you're suddenly together. You're in on the joke kind of thing. And yeah. That's yeah. kind of the stuff that I'd love to look for, maybe especially because I've had experience in theater, is those little moments where maybe that wasn't part of the, the script or wasn't part of the practice or, you know, a twinkle in the eye between two actors. I love those those extra little layers. The Producers was before my time, and I've heard so many good things about that show and, and you know, the camaraderie that was developed in the creation of it and that it was just such a good show. I'd love to, to hear more about your experience with that, if, if there's other things you want to share. Yeah. So I had been in a few shows before then. I, I still felt fairly new, both to theater in general and to Theater Sarnia. And in some weird ways, I still do. Um, I, I still feel like a little like, ah, um, I have no idea what I'm doing. But that was the first time that I'd gotten a lead role, and I was absolutely over the moon. I think it really helped that Leo Bloom is this nerdy, anxious wreck, mm. and so I didn't have to act at all. I was just myself. It was great. And I remember getting the call from, from Ian, and he told me that, like, basically as soon as, as soon as I had left, like, they, were, they all looked at each other and were like, yeah, I think this is going to work. Um, and I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And um, there was just so much passion that went into it. I, I know that it was like one of Ian's favorite shows too, and something that he'd wanted to do for a really long time. And so the energy and the, the creativity that went into it was very, you could, you could tell that that passion was really there. Just across the board, everyone like brought their A game. I, I was always blown away by like the dancers were all phenomenal. The fact that we got to have that collaboration with the dance academy and we even use their space for a lot of a lot of rehearsals was was really great. And and man, like the the set, the the projections that Mark came up with, um, I think that was the first time that we had done projections like that. I could be wrong, but I think I think. I think we had introduced like a new projection system and that really brought things up like the the pr um, production level had just continued to increase through the years and, and it really like hit a new level I think with producers and so I was just I was just over the moon to be a part of it. I love that you said that because that is so relatable to me for Miracle on 34th Street uh, I did Sawyer and Sawyer was this like anxious wreck 
and it felt so easy for me. Like you said, like there wasn't a lot of acting in it, right? Like it just, because people would always compliment me on, on my like posture and whatever. And I was like, I didn't even know I was doing anything. <laughs> um, someone yeah. told me I looked like a, like a terrified squirrel. But that was just my anxiety of being on stage. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'll keep this weird posture. Yeah, thanks. Then. Terrified squirrel is my spirit animal. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm cool with that. So I, I really love that you said that. Um, that's such a relatable experience. So I wanted to jump back just on that note then. Um, about in high school, you had said, very surprising that you were shy. And that you were encouraged to do the musical. Was it because you were shy that you were encouraged to do it? I don't think so. I think it was because I had the right people in my life at the right time. Mm. And I had a similar push for going into Beauty and the Beast. I'm going to have so many shout-outs to so many people. Um, but I think people... I think high school, I hid a lot of my authenticity. Mm. And it's high school, and no one knows how to be authentic anyways no. most of the time. That's part of growing up, and, and I get all that. But I think that encouragement of people seeing something in me that I wanted to hide from the world mm. and then being encouraged to show that to the world was something that was that I needed and a little bit life-changing for me. And then again in, in Beauty and the Beast, um, I think they, they needed more guys because they always need more guys. And I was getting bugged more than once like, hey, you should come out. Like, they need more guy singers. I know you can sing. You'll do good. And I believe it was Taylor Hartwick who said, hey, I talked to Frank Brennan, the musical director. He wants to hear you sing. And I was like, oh, what? cool, great. Now there's pressure. That's awesome. I love that. And yet it was sometimes I need that push because that's what got me to go out and say, okay, like I'll sing some scales. And um, yeah, it just took off from there. I'm very, very thankful that, that all kind of happened because it introduced me to so many people. I, I, there's, there's been conversation, I think, before about, about like a found family. And mm -hmm. absolutely, there, there are so many people that I've met through these experiences that I, I want to keep in my life forever. And, and that kind of, there was a sense of belonging that came with Beauty and the Beast and how tight-knit everyone was. That was something that I absolutely needed in my life and still need it in my life. Um, but like it, it, it gave me, it opened up a lot of doors for me. And, um, and uh, so I'm just super thankful for it. I love again, the way you worded that your, your, your chosen family or your found family, like those are the people that you choose to have in your life and, and seem to appear at the right times. And I certainly have millions of stories of my own that are, are very relatable, especially in high school, because like you said, mm -hmm. high school is tough to begin with. Never mind if yep. there's something about yourself that you're not quite sure about, you're not quite ready to share, whatever that is. High school makes that a heck of a lot more difficult. So it, it is kind of amazing when those people appear at the right moment. So now that things are getting maybe a little more uh, opened up, with the world in general, do you have a project in mind or something that you're thinking about getting involved in now that the all the plays are announced? I'm not sure. Something Rotten 
was such a great experience and it was also a lot <laughs> um, and closer like about halfway through the run maybe a little bit further i know at the end of march i started a new job mm-hmm. and that new job was in chatham <laughs> so i'm commuting from sarnia to chatham every day and it's not the longest commute but it was a very big lifestyle change for me and so that combined with show week was a lot (laughs) um and and i wouldn't trade a single second of it but i also think that i want to take a little bit more time to (laughs) recuperate and kind of get get accustomed to where my life is at now i do have some things in my life that that can continue to be a creative outlet and a little bit of a dramatic outlet i love playing dungeons and dragons for example i get to uh, yeah, I yeah, saw your your reaction there. What, uh, I, if we're gonna start talking about Dungeons and Dragons, this this session is gonna go on for like three more hours, which well, I'm happy that's to do. Cool by me. We just don't record the whole thing. Case yeah, my exactly. computer explodes. But yeah, I I love that because it, it allows me to to like I, I DM, so I've created this whole world, and I get to do a bunch of writing and and a bunch of character voices and all that stuff. And just like before our show, before every session, I get those same, like, oh, like that nervousness that whether it's perhaps anxiety uh, around like performance or whatever, but it just like everything else, after a little bit, it dissipates. It's something that I've just kind of come to learn about myself and, you know, power through. I know that I can sometimes hold very high expectations of myself and want things to Mm -hmm. go right. So that's been a learning process and all of between shows and D&D and all these things, they've all been really great lessons for me to kind of accept what will be and just enjoy what I can from it. So much of what you're saying, I'm like, me too, me too, me too. I hope you can, I hope you can feel that through my head nodding like crazy. So for, for people listening who maybe don't know what it means to be a DM in Dungeons and Dragons, and please jump in and correct mm-hmm. me or, or, or add to this. But, um, Talk about having to be on your game. So I have only started playing Dungeons and Dragons because of my husband over the last few years. I So I'm not familiar with it. Like I know he has been into Dungeons and Dragons since he was a kid and mm-hmm. knows all of the books, all of the lore. But to be a, a DM or a dungeon master, is that right? Yep, that's right. You have to facilitate a game that goes on. I've been in games that have been like five, six hours long. Um, I've heard tell of longer. Uh, mm-hmm. So as the, the the DM, you are facilitating this game. You have a basic plan of where it's going to go. And then you have a team of people who are improvising. And, and that plan doesn't always go according to what you have in mind. And you have to think on the fly. I know for my husband, he's also DM'd a few games for us. And like nine times out of ten, he's like, that is not what I planned. That is not how I saw this going uh, at all. So that's incredible to me that you put yourself into that situation and you're willing to do it. And like you said, you got to do accents. you got to be, oh, I love love that you're a DM. That's fantastic. Um, Yeah. And it is definitely a creative outlet. Uh, Do you want to talk more about that? Sure, I would love to. Um, I guess. Yeah, um, I guess for any anyone who might be listening would be interested in, in DMing, just like every table is different, every DM is different. I like to do character voices. That is not a necessity. So you can run your table however you want to. 
I, I like to do that just because I like to be dramatic. Shocker. So that's that's kind of my little thing that I do. But absolutely, um, and especially with with the, the players that I play with, they like to be a little chaotic and try to test the limits where possible. And so some things that I've been learning have been where to where to draw boundaries and, and make things make sense and make certain actions have appropriate consequences versus we're all also here to have fun. Mm. So like it's okay to bend the rules of physics a little bit or like <laughs> um, if someone asks for something rather than taking it at face value and doing the letter of what they say, think a little, take a, a couple more seconds and think about like, okay, what's the spirit they, they, of what they want to do? They want to do something cool. So how can I change what's going on in the environment to make that happen? Like say someone wants to, um, there's a hallway and there's like two guards and they want to like jump over the two guards. Well, rather than having them literally try to jump over, they could like do a crazy wall kick flip to, to flip over them or like, there could be some kind of magic field that like that they use to kind of like boost themselves like there's a lot of leeway and infinite ways to to kind of make the story happen and things not going according to plan has always been a stressor for me mm. but it's also been a really good experience of like okay what can we do when things don't go to plan and some of my best sessions have been when my players have surprised me and like okay let's run with this let's see where this goes yeah, I remember one time there was, I was planning to have this particular character come and help the party break out because they had been arrested. But one of the other players was like on the outside a little bit. And rather than like, they didn't know that this character was coming. So one of the players was like, okay, I'm going to use my big beefy muff muscles and just bend the bars of the jail. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you can try that. Absolutely. And I set the, the DC or the, the challenge that they have to roll to it's something that was really, really high. And they got it. <laughs> and so, like, they start breaking each other out. And then they start rummaging around through all the different supplies and everything. And I hadn't planned for any of that to happen. <laughs> um, so I had to start, like, thinking a little bit. And so it's also become a really good exercise in giving myself, like, mental space to breathe. Of, like, okay, I don't have to have the answer right this second mm -hmm. because I do tend to be like, go, 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 go. And I put a lot of pressure on myself, mm -hmm. but we're also all there to have fun. And that includes me. So like give myself a few seconds. What's a really cool way that we can make this situation work. And, and that's been something that's really cool that, that I get to grow as a person while I'm playing this really fun hobby. Absolutely. So, yeah. That is another, maybe for people who aren't familiar, something that I am fascinated by it's so simple with Dungeons and Dragons, and yet there are so an infinite amount of possibilities. Everything is controlled by dice, and there's some pretty cool die that are used. Like the is it twenty sides is the big yeah. one where if you roll a one, you're you're screwed basically. But if you roll more a twenty, anything can happen. Is, am I saying that right? Like more or less. Sort of. Yes and no. Um, the, DM in, the DM in my mind is like, well, um, that, that, that is a common misconception where a, a 20 on the D20 means you automatically succeed at what you're doing. And that doesn't necessarily apply to all things. But usually a lot of the time DMs will find a way to grant either a success or like, let's say... I walk up to the king and I've been enemies with the king for forever. And I say, I'm going to convince him to give, to give up the kingship and make me the king. 
Okay, roll a persu persuasion check at, at disadvantage, which means you roll twice and take the lower of the two. And they roll two 20s. And it's like, wow, you, you did really well in your persuasion check. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to kill you. <laughs> he, he's like, he, he maybe he thinks it's a joke. And it's like, okay, maybe this guy has a really good sense of humor. Like, this guy's got quite a big ego to, to stroll into my room. And like, so, so there's ways that you can, like, manipulate the outcome of things where... Maybe it's not exactly what someone's asking, but it's still like, Pretty it great. could have been a lot worse. <laughs> it so, could have been a lot worse. So what I'm hearing then is keeping it within the re the realm of possibilities within that context. So in order for that person to become the king, that completely changes the dynamic of everything. Whereas if you were to become, say, a confidant or a friend of the king, that's still manageable within the context of the game. Am I hearing you right? Yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense because, and as, as part of world building and, and what makes something really engaging is that things have an internal rationality to them. Mm -hmm. Like, it, just because a player says something doesn't necessarily make it so because this world, while still a fantasy world, has rules. Mm -hmm. And in order to, to make a coherent story, those rules have to, they, they can be bent sometimes, especially when magic is involved, but if you're going to tell like a, a story that makes sense, you know, you have to have that structure in place. And there's all kinds of great people have made all kinds of uh, information, YouTube videos and, and guides about like, you know, hard world building versus soft world building, like how much detail to put into, to all these, uh, all these rules. And yeah, like, so I'm, I'm still, I'm a student of life forever um, and, and happy to continue, continue learning. Um, and this is just one way that I get to do that and, and kind of figure out, what's the most fun for me and what's the most fun for the people that I'm playing with. I just had a thought. I'm just going to put this out there. Absolutely. What if we did like a theater uh, Dungeons and Dragons group at some point, even like a one shot, just like a one night only. I'm just going to put that out there. Like you talked I think earlier that's a fantastic idea. about writing. I'm just, you know, I'm going to plant a little, little seed of Rooney there. And, and maybe that's something that could come to fruition at some point. Just, uh, I would be over the moon to host like a, a little one shot or have a little get together. And yeah, there's, there's all kinds of stories that you can have with like, especially when it's just a one-off thing. You can, it, it doesn't even need to make as much sense. A lot of those rules that we talked about can be bent um, a little bit more because you know you're just doing it for the sillies and if there's one thing that i love it's doing it for the sillies for the sillies i love that uh yeah let's put that out there and i wish that i would have known this like two years ago <laughs> when we were all <laughs> sitting okay. around like what am i gonna do with myself uh little dungeons and dragons would have been good but that doesn't mean especially because you're going you know you've got that commute and life is a little bit more challenging for you Maybe that's something, maybe instead of a play, we could do yeah. a little Dashes of Dragons. All right. That would be real cool. Yeah. Plant that little seed. I'd be totally into that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You let me know. And we'll, uh, All right. we'll work some up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just planning your hey, life the gears, for you. The gears are turning already. Don't worry. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> so how do you think that uh, Dungeons and Dragons has helped you with your theater stuff, potentially? And how long have you been doing the Dungeons and Dragons thing? A few years. I think we started just before the pandemic. Um, we did like a little mini campaign that was based in the Game of Thrones world before. And that was really difficult because it's such a dense world mm. that I felt like in order to do it justice, I had to do a ton of research. So that was exhausting. No kidding. Um, but I think if there's like, 
some overlap between it. it. It is about that improvisation about like, okay, what do you do when things go wrong? And it's also about like, there's a there's a degree of sacrifice. Uh, that sounds so like martyr. <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to paint myself as, but but like, so as a DM, often I will have plot threads or ideas that I might be thinking of, and as the story progresses, it turns out, oh crap, like I'm gonna essentially none of this is gonna work, um, and that's one way of thinking about it. But another way of thinking about it is like, okay, how can I make this plot thread come back in another way? Mm. Or, or maybe, maybe it genuinely won't work. And this is, I think that's a concept that kind of expands out to more than just D&D is we often like tell ourselves stories about how the world is, is going to play out for us and, and how like our lives are going to play out. We have expectations and mm. hopes and dreams and that's all good and normal, but sometimes your characters decide to bend the bars on the prison and break themselves out <laughs> or whatever else happens in life you know life throws you a curveball and so there's a bit of a grieving process that comes with like okay the script is dead <laughs> um i have to like readjust my life a little bit and, and kind of take some time and there's a there's a degree of self-compassion that has to come with that i think of like okay like i can take the time to like be frustrated or have all these feelings about about all this but the, pl the show must go on, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you've, you've got to keep moving forward. So finding that balance of, like, ah, this kind of sucks versus, okay, we're still playing this game. Yeah. I'm internalizing everything that you just said. That is... <laughs> it, uh, there's so many things that resonated with me on a lot of personal levels there in terms of mm -hmm. self-compassion. That's something that I'm still yes. learning. It's a daily practice for me. And... It's so true that, you know, it can be kind of a metaphor for life in that we have a path that we think that we're going down and we have all these plans, but we have to be ready at a moment's notice for all of that to get chucked out the window and to carry on with some grace and, like you said, some self-compassion that, like, okay, it's totally understandable that you're upset that this isn't going the way that you planned it. Of course you would be. Also, we need to find some other way to go forward. Yeah, there's a there's there, and that can go on many different levels as well. If you want to get a little bit meta about it, sometimes you also need to have some self-compassion about self-compassion. Mm. Like, like, oh, I should be being nicer to myself. Yeah. It's like, well, okay, are you being nice to yourself in that you very should. sentence? Yeah. <laughs> Like, and, and yeah, like there, there's a lot of levels that that, that goes with. Um, and that's all been stuff that I've, you know, I'm still, I, I always say I'm a student of life. I'm still learning. I've never done this life thing before. I'm figuring it out. And the, the other thing I was going to say with regards to that was that it can be really easy to take, take it too far and like be ready for, for anything to happen. Don't let that fall too far into like doom and gloom of like expecting the worst. Like there's a there's a balance of like resiliency and I can bounce back from anything versus I'm expecting yeah the, all the worst things to happen because that'll end up manifesting itself. You won't take the time to appreciate the good stuff if you're always expecting the bad. Yeah, stuff. I feel like you're gonna plant another seed. I feel like there's like a like a variation on say a Brené Brown book or or any kind of self help book I'm, that has. A... Sorry, I just got really excited that you mentioned Brené Brown. Oh, um, I was just gonna say yeah. like, but with the Dungeons and Dragons like theme tying it all together. What were you gonna say about Brené Brown? 
I'm, I, I was just really excited that you, like, I, I haven't read a lot of her work. The, the book that I read was Braving the Wilderness that Ooh. dealt with authenticity and, and kind of allowing yourself. That, that was a really good read. What a, what a great author. <laughs> and what a, yeah, I, I was just, I was a little surprised as all. Yeah, I think there's a lot of room for that. And you see that in some of the new content that's being produced for D&D in that there is a lot of D&D's had a long history. Some of that history will be problematic, mm. but it's also being reinvented and, and recomposed. And there's a lot of acceptance and wholesomeness in that and like really positive messaging about growth and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's absolutely room for, for some kind of blending of, of those things. I, yeah, it's true though, you know, in itself, Dungeons and Dragons needs to be ready to uh, recreate its own plot line as as society changes and grows, or it's going to end up obsolete. In terms of Brené Brown, I actually listened to her self-narrate uh, The Gifts of Imperfection, which okay. 10 out of 10 recommend, especially to listen to her do it. Because she does, I don't know if you listen to many audiobooks. It's like a conversation. You could tell that she's not exactly reading line for line. She's just kind of telling you what's in the book. But there's a lot of really great nuggets in there about just how to deal with all of these things in life. I haven't read Braving the Wilderness, but I uh, wrote it down because. Excellent. Very good. In terms of I, this kind of, this is a really weak thread or segue, but <laughs> okay, um, no, I was just thinking because you're, you're commuting now to Chatham. How long is that commute? It's about 55 an hour. Okay. Depending on the traffic and. I have a similar commute to my library okay. and I've now in order to uh, find that as a positive time because to sit for like two hours a day it's soul crushing to me a little bit because I'm kind of like I want to go all the time um, so I've started listening to a lot of stuff like audiobooks and and even more podcasts and things like that how do you handle your commute the exact same way yeah um, it, most of the time I'll listen to Critical Role. Have you heard of mm-hmm. Critical Role? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for our listeners who don't know, um, <laughs> uh, Critical Role is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast filled with a, a bunch of voice actors who very much play into their talents and they just sit down and play D&D together. Really great group of people and just just wholesomeness. Mm-hmm. Wholesomeness and also sometimes horrificness, but that's also <laughs> that comes with the territory of any D&D campaign. So yeah, I'm actually close to the end of campaign two right now. Um, I'm really excited about all that. And I have no idea what I'm going to do once I'm caught up on that, because I, maybe I'll listen to Brene Brown. <laughs> Why not? That's the thing about yeah. those uh, like Critical Role. Each episode is like, what, three, four hours long. Yep. And it's every Thursday, I think. Yes, they, that's right. I, my ADHD kicked in with that. I tried to listen to a little bit of the first campaign, a little bit of the second campaign, and then... Uh, I kind of fell off the wagon, but that's fair. They really are such a, a wholesome little group of people who have experienced a great deal of success, but all seem so modest about it. Mm-hmm. And you want to root for them. Like every time there's a new comic book or a new this or that for them, I'm always like, good for you guys, because they just seem so down to earth and kind. And I think it was before the pandemic they had a, a Kickstarter. It might have been for their animated series. Mm. Um, and they completed, they like completed all of their stretch goals and raised like an obscene amount of money in like three hours or something. Yeah. It was absolutely nuts. So yeah, there, there's so much love out there for those guys. And, and I think it, it helps that they, their messaging, they put that love back out into the world. Yes. That's, that's kind of 
their their whole thing. So, and I think like as an overall social thing, I love that wholesomeness is like a thing that we all like now. Um, <laughs> when I was when I was growing up back in the nineties, um, when I was I mean when I was a little boy, yeah, it definitely wasn't <laughs> like no. But the the fact that we can all love each other and say like, hey, man, I love you, like. The, the embracing that love and it doesn't have to be this like Weird. this gay thing it doesn't have to be this this feminine or this there, there doesn't have to be any of these stigmas attached to it it's awesome i love it the world really has come a, a long way since uh mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's yeah. definitely a relatable thing too that we can openly even just mention someone like brené brown and both be like, oh, yeah, I've read her, right? And it's yeah. it's completely a normal thing. And maybe wouldn't have been, at least it wouldn't have been for me in high school if I'd have been like, hey, yeah, I just finished listening to a Brené Brown book. I probably would have gotten beat up for it or something to that effect. Uh, this has gone by so fast. We're almost at yeah, 15 minutes. <laughs> like, crazy fast. And this always happens. And I, I feel like the universe makes my computer crash so that I don't bogart people's entire day with these interviews. <laughs> So we're, yeah. we're getting to that point, though, where um, you've got some time to talk about anything. It could be a side hustle or uh, maybe a charity that you want to bring awareness to, an Etsy page. I don't know, a movie you really liked, anything at all. It's just kind of open forum to discuss oh. a passion. Wow. I mean, the thing that, honestly, the first thing that just comes to mind is just talking more about D&D. <laughs> just, bring it up. I'm anyone, good with that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I always love connecting with people and and like brainstorming ideas i get really excited about that um it's kind of funny because when you're sitting by yourself and you're not sure what to work on you have no restrictions and that can be very limiting by itself you know restrictions breed breed creativity so having that person to bounce ideas off with they might have thoughts and it kind of helps focus in things a little bit so I guess what I'm trying to say is if anyone ever wants to do any brainstorming sessions or like throw ideas at me or even ask questions about D&D, uh, you can absolutely do so. You can hit me up on Messenger. You can just see me in the street. Hey, hey you. I'm not super busy. <laughs> yeah, hey, D&D guy. Yeah, I will talk your ear off. I will listen my ears off <laughs> and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, that's that's basically it. I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. Uh, I like D&D. I like nerdy stuff. I like being silly. I like singing. I like dancing. I love that. I, uh, I, my husband, I really, I, I think he listens to every episode. I don't know if he listens straight to the end, but honey, if you're listening, uh, you found a kindred spirit. Cause he, like I said earlier, he reads every D&D book. He knows them all. He studies them. He listens to Critical Role and I think a couple of other shows, like the devotion to that I admire it. I cannot emulate it, but I definitely admire it. So, <laughs> Fair enough. yeah, I love that idea. And I hope that people take you up on it and that you get yeah. that opportunity to nerd out. <sighs> I don't want to let you go. That's <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All good things must come to an end. But, That's you know, true. we can always have our future discussions about the one shot that we're totally going to do. I think that'd be super yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of picturing even if we're ever able to, like like the critical role set up, but like on the stage at the Imperial or something. And oh, like, boy. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> that would be fun and absolutely terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure there's, if, and whoever out there is listening who's a DM, I'm sure there's many experienced DMs that would love to do that before I would. Please take the spot in front of me and I will... Once, once I, once it's great and safe and everyone loves it, then and there's no pressure, then I will be happy 
to join the stage. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. But fair <laughs> no, enough, no, I'm no, glad no. that you self-advocated for, like, maybe <laughs> next time, maybe you just play in that, that, um... <laughs> <laughs> um, we can figure something out. I have faith in us. But anywho, thank you very, very much for making time for me today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's nice to see your face, too. I haven't seen you in 100 years. Yeah, it's been one or two minutes, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, thank you as well. This has been a really cool, um, like I said, I always love talking about D&D. I like talking about the things that mean a lot to me. So this was a really cool, really cool experience. I appreciate it. Yay. Enjoy your Saturday, and hopefully I will see yeah. you soon in real life. Yeah, we will do. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, kids, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. What's up next week? William friggin' Shakespeare. See you then. <laughs>